Hey guys, it's Elijah here. So this is a bit of a bonus episode. We recorded this right before the World Cup, but I hit save as draft in the uploader instead of upload. So it just was, I, I don't know, I, it was just, I assumed that it was just uploaded and live. And then I went to go listen to it before this week's recordings and um, nothing was there. So uh, you guys are getting this bonus episode, um, should be out. Uh, I guess Wednesday of for everyone, and um, the next episode will drop later on this week, and we got another episode coming in hot after that. But things should be back to normal, um, starting on the normal release schedule starting next week. So that's all I got for you. Enjoy this episode, and uh, away, lads. like always josh josh how are you doing i'm doing well doing well i'm glad i'm glad to be here i'm glad to catch up with you well you know it's been it's been a week actually less than a week actually i guess wait no slightly over a week since we last talked thereabouts uh, yeah it's it's been exciting uh some quick housekeeping uh we did drop a world cup preview um like the chn podcast network it was a false nine chn radio mega super awesome world cup preview um yeah. so if you want to listen to that you can um i'm on it with adam josh of course as you know is not on it because he's not he doesn't care <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and uh roberto rojas uh joins us friend of the program it was really cool to get his insight as someone who um follows uh, south american football a ton and then of course uh with his own podcast they did uh an entire world cup preview group by group which is insane and brought in yeah. individuals for each group and i'm not gonna lie i will never do that that sounds like so much work there's so many groups i mean it's just yeah we talked about group b so check that out if you want to follow us on the on the socials at chn underscore podcast and that coming up in ufc um, don't follow me on Twitter. Twitter might die soon. So, I mean, I guess you don't have to follow us. Maybe we should create an Instagram account. I don't know. Oh, we don't have an Instagram account? I don't think so. I mean, I'm on Instagram, but uh, I, I usually don't let people. It's all my family stuff, man. Um, yeah. But let's do, yeah, let's do a CHN Radio Instagram account. I know yeah. I've tried to move over to Mastodon myself. I took one look at it, and it is like, 
man, I, for the first time in my life, I, I suffered like I felt like an old man. I was like, where, what am I? What is this? What am I doing? Yeah, I haven't um, checked out Mastodon yet because I'm in fear that like me, even being so Gen Z and like young is going to be I just it's tough to adopt to a new platform. But mm-hmm. I've heard good things uh, that I know, like, I think the guy over there DMs is the former engineer who did all of the DM stuff for Twitter. Uh, he headed the DM team. So, um, so I mean, they've got good people there, uh, but we'll see. Um, you know, maybe by the time the World Cup ends, we just Twitter won't exist. <laughs> so. Yeah, uh, someone has suggested, I mean, with as many in- software engineers that are leaving Twitter, whether on their own accord or forced out, by a new ownership group. There's so much, there's so much brain power that's leaving that it would be ridiculous to imagine that a handful of those people don't get together and say, let's make our own, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think one of two things will happen. I actually, I really, I don't think one of two things will happen. I think the more likely case with, with Twitter is that it just faces a huge setback. And I don't think it ever like dies. I think no. Elon is going to, I think he's smart enough to know that if he's not the person to do it, he's going to just try to sell it to someone who will take it. Um, mm-hmm. And it'll just get set, sold at a really just like a super cut rate price and probably turned back into whatever it was. I mean, by all means, the original owners of Twitter could buy it back. And still be like twenty billion dollars richer. Who knows? Um, Hilarious. That would be really funny. So yeah, Twitter is an interesting one. Uh, Elon's doing some interesting things. He. This is the last thing I'll say on Twitter because I just find it comical. Uh, He mentioned that, uh, like, for some reason, he's just not. There's no press releases from Twitter. Just Elon tweeting things, and maybe they come true, maybe they don't. But someone asked him about the the verification system once again, because Twitter blue had the worst rollout in the world. Um, and, uh, he said all of the accounts, all of the accounts that are an official accounts, essentially that have check marks, uh, eventually those check marks will go away and they'll have to basically, uh, either buy Twitter blue or, um, which doesn't actually provide any verification or just not have a check mark. And this is an interesting thing, because uh, the whole reason Twitter has a verification system is because, uh, for this exact reason, when you don't actually verify a public figure or a celebrity um, as a celebrity, then you have people who create fake accounts with that name and start tweeting heinous things. And that is how uh, you get sued. And so it's interesting that uh, Elon has just taken 12 steps backwards with every move he's done uh, with Twitter. Yeah. So anyway... All that to say, let's uh, let's talk a little Newcastle. Um, <laughs> what we're here for? <laughs> yeah, yeah. This could be a, it's a not the Twitter podcast, contrary to popular belief. A um, couple of a uh, couple of exciting things happening over in the world of Newcastle. Uh, let's talk about the women's team. Josh, what's what's the big update with them? Yeah. So uh, the last time we spoke, we were they were facing an away match to Hull City Ladies Football Club um, on Sunday, November thirteenth. They got there. Two to one win away to Hull City in the first round of the FA Women's Cup. Um, so, because the FA Cup scheduling takes priority over league scheduling, which, like, if you think about that, it doesn't surprise us. I think you and I were speaking before we started recording that it's similar to the men's. I think that just usually it's further down the road, so it doesn't seem as it doesn't seem as blatant. 
But um, yeah, so the FA Women's Cup second round match will be on Sunday, November 27th. They'll be hosting Barnsley. And what that has done is it has postponed their um, WPL Division One league match with Bradford City. So I think right now, if I'm looking at the schedule online, their next league match is December 11th at home versus Merseyrail. But that could still be affected if they win versus Barnsley on the 27th. So I'm not quite sure. Uh, you know, long story short, they move on in the cup. They may or, If they win, they move on again. And that may or may not affect their league schedule once more. And we'll let you know when we get together next time. Hmm. You know, I so, just uh, yes. Yeah. You what? say affect. Yeah? I say affect. Okay. So. Well, are you... Yeah. Yeah, these were just different. Yeah. Well, I well, There you go. Yeah, well, you things can have <laughs> some things can have an effect on another thing, right? Like yeah. an event an event can affect something, but yeah. you can also have an affect on something. So, I guess I'm just emphasizing the A when I'm speaking. Yeah. I mean, of, yeah. Part of it is I think I'm just I'm ordered from different regions of the country. So, Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> we just say stuff differently. Um, well, no, but that's I, that's very curious because we're both from academia, though. So, yeah, but I don't believe in academia. So I think there we it's, go. It's stupid. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's a, the whole system is stupid. Um, yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. It's just a bunch of like uh, I don't know. We don't have to go into it, but just know academia is full of elitist people that withhold information by using big words to confuse common people. When like affect, yes, like when in. <laughs> In reality, like we would be better off if these people just made all types of research and knowledge more accessible for pe- to people. That way, you don't have people not understanding how I don't know a vaccine works because they don't want to read a fifteen-page medical journal. Like, <laughs> all right. Anyway, um, the, uh, the that'll, other that'll be in our next podcast where we yeah. talk more about Twitter and and uh, and and the way the college system works. Yes. Yes. Um, Okay, and the other thing to note about that women's game is that it will be at St. James's, so that'll be cool. Um, that, I think that's the that might be the first the first one of this season. Might be yes. Um, I think there is going to be a couple more. If I remember I hope correctly. they stream them. It would be really nice if we could watch it. Yeah, I, I, I'm curious to see if they stream it too. I think that would be a good move by the club. Uh, yeah, for sure, and uh, they definitely would have the facilities to do so. Uh, so I don't know. Um, so that's that's good. That's good and dandy. Um, I put day, but date set for our EFL Cup match. Um, Newcastle did move on in the League Cup uh, after beating Crystal Palace on pens. We'll get into that in a second. Um, but the the match has been announced. It's December twenty first at seven forty five p.m. against Bournemouth. Uh, it's a very curious date uh, because, as you all know, uh, the World Cup is ending the 18th and so um while newcastle only have i think five players at the world cup um and it's unlikely that you know all five of them are playing in the final it's actually literally impossible that all five would be playing sure. in the final um but uh but it is it's worth mentioning that this could be a rotated uh you know a rotated cup side uh, even though newcastle's next match actually wouldn't be for another five days we'll see how eddie approaches this but um yeah, that's just an interesting one. Bournemouth, I don't think we'll really have. Oh, excuse me. Um, 
based on kind of who they've sent to the world, because they only sent two guys, I don't really think that it'll be much of an issue for them. Uh, but uh, it's going to be interesting because Newcastle will be in action uh, basically right after the World Cup before the Premier League actually returns. Mm-hmm. Um, and that'll be at 7.45 p.m. local time. So a nice little night one uh, for 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 the, for the squad. Um, and then uh, we kind of talked about this on the last pod, but everything kind of got confirmed. Newcastle did sweep the of the month awards uh, that they were nominated for. The only one I don't think we were nominated for was save of the month. So Eddie Howe won manager of the month. Miguel Almiron won player of the month and goal of the month. Uh, and so shout out to all of them. Uh, good on them. Uh, I don't know if I really need your input on this, Josh, because we've talked about it already, but, I mean, good job, Eddie. Good job, Miggy. That's not the. It won't be the last time they win something. So, oh, oh, that's a nice prediction there. Love it. And then um, probably the biggest news of the week is uh, the Darren Eels win wheels are spinning. Um, I've actually already forgotten the the commercial director, but I know Darren Eels was is the president. He's a commercial guy, and mm-hmm. I've already forgotten our chief revenue officer or whatever his his title is. But uh, anyway, they've they've been wheeling and dealing. And uh, Monster are the official energy drink partner of Newcastle. That was announced um, earlier this week. Uh, I believe it was Monday is when it was announced. Um, and of course, there were some people who don't. I mean, I, it's so odd, Joshua, that like for uh, maybe maybe I'm am I just like like seeing things oddly? But mm-hmm. it feels like Newcastle fans or just people in the UK in general. Like don't like don't are not aware how partnerships work. Like one some of the stuff I saw on the interrupts was like, how does a professional team have a partnership with a energy drink? Like the players aren't going to be drinking Monster surely, and it's like no. that's not that's not how partnerships work. Like it's it, right. just because they're the official energy drink partner of Newcastle doesn't mean that that they are the energy drink that the players will be putting in their body. Right. (laughs) Like McDonald's is the Olympic partner for USA. And trust me, there are no Olympians eating McDonald's. Like that's not, that's not how partnerships work. No, it's, it's a way for both of them to, to share their brand. Like, you know, it's, it is, it's kind of strange that people can't, even if you don't have a degree in marketing or understanding how that works, you'd think you could just take a second Pull back just a second and think about it. Think about it out loud even. Yeah. No, do the players drink Monster? Probably not unless you're Jamie Vardy, but I think he's a Red Bull man. Yeah. Um, and you know, are and are they're not getting and they're not gonna get Jamie Vardy in in January. Um so <laughs> but yeah. you know, it's just a way for it's a way for Monster to spread its branding. Um right now they're I think they're the second largest any drink energy drink in the world and growing. I think it's a 20 year old business is what I read. Um, yeah. This is a great, it's a great move for them to expand with a, with uh, honestly um, I know that Newcastle supporters and myself believe Newcastle is a big team. Lots of people in the world are aware of it, but it's about to get a lot bigger. Global support for Newcastle United is going to blow the F up. And like, yeah. especially if they keep their position in the table if they if they get Europe, I mean, if they get a one through five, one through six spot this season, and they get into Europe, um, their profile, especially in the United States, is going to blow up. And this is a great move for Monster to get on board with supporting, getting their branding hooked up with Newcastle. I mean, it's just it makes a ton of sense. And for Newcastle, I mean, maybe 
monster might be made more readily available at St. James's Park. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Now I would imagine that comes with the territory. Uh, like a good example of this is uh, for our English fans, we have our college sports here are insane and like Ridiculous. I know it might be foreign to you all, but I mean, it's a it's a multi-billion dollar industry. And part of that is selling sponsorships. And so, the you know, this, the, the, the group of schools that make up a particular athletic conference, like, you know, for, for my alma mater, Syracuse, well, I guess both of my alma mater, Syracuse and Florida State, are in a conference called the Atlantic Coastal Conference. It's primarily East Coast United States colleges, one of the biggest conferences. And uh, the entire conference is sponsored by Pepsi which means that uh, Pepsi has ad space at every single sporting event across the board. Um, And then every single one of those schools only serve Pepsi products, which is completely fascinating uh, because it's beyond sports, but it seeps into like the dining halls and what you can buy on campus. Like you can go to school in at Georgia tech, which is in Atlanta, which is the the birthplace of Coca-Cola, the headquarters of Coca-Cola, and you cannot buy Coke on campus. Uh, because Georgia Tech is in the ACC, and the ACC is a Pepsi, you know, sponsored division. So it's something similar with Newcastle, where you'll probably only be able to buy Monster in the stadium. Um, it's also just putting on the academia hat, it or just like a, a marketing professional hat. It is a interesting shift for Monster, who primarily have remained in the action sports realm mm-hmm, they've done mm-hmm. a lot of you know a little bit of winter sports but a lot of skateboarding and then got into gaming this this kind of feels like one of their first forays into to soccer for sure they might have done maybe like a couple of ads with some nfl stars or nba stars maybe to, i think i've seen go, them with like dirt biking and yeah exactly. rally, it's, rally racing yeah, way more action stuff like they've been very yeah. much racing and you know they've gotten maybe a stereotype associated with them for that. So this seems like it could be an opportunity to like pay attention to the monster and see how they rebrand themselves. Because I don't know if the action sports, you know, like kind of vibe, you know, maybe might not play at Newcastle as they start to forge a partnership with that club, but it is a very baseline partnership as well. Uh, It's not a Jersey partnership. It is just uh, signage in the stadium in and around Mm -hmm. the stadium, digital boards, nothing crazy, but Again, uh, Newcastle fans aren't really used to seeing this uh, types of deals being announced because for the longest majority of the signage was owned by Sports Direct. So the the available signage that wasn't Premier League partners, excuse me, for the most part, just went to a jersey sponsor and uh, Sports Direct, which is, mm-hmm. you know, that's its own situation. And then this is an interesting one. This this feels more like a Darren Eels-esque deal, knowing I, I mentioned this when we first talked about Darren Eels um, potentially in joining uh, Newcastle. But uh, Darren's at Atlanta United, they've found you really unique ways to leverage like individual one-off partnerships and like make money that way. And Newcastle have done that. Again, um, they have announced that Saudia – is the official mm-hmm. it's a Saudi based airline surprise surprise is the official airline partner for Newcastle when the team is traveling to Saudi Arabia it's a very it's very, very specific, unique it's yes. very unique so yeah. um it does feel like Newcastle are likely going to i don't want to say they're going to do a winter camp in Saudi Arabia every single like winter break but I would not be surprised if that's the case. I don't know if they do a summer camp there um, every single time, 
I would imagine I'd see down the road some American tours, maybe some international like friendly cup tournaments types of things and mm-hmm. all over the all over the world. But uh, I would be surprised if they don't if they if they are, uh, cease to uh, go to Saudi Arabia in the winter. So it's a very specific partnership, but it is revenue. Um, the details of the partnership uh, revolve around them sort of being one of the main partners or, or kind of main sponsors for this entire trip, like a lot of signage again, branding, and then the team flies Saudi private jets to Saudi Arabia. So uh, it's a rough life. Sure. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting, life. too, because it's like, like, this is one of those where I don't know, I mean, I guess Saudi Arabia is trying to build up a tourism industry as well. So I guess it kind of makes sense. But it's very it's a nascent stage deal because I don't know how many people are going to fly to Saudi Arabia and two, like majority of them are going to probably fly Emirates, which, Hey, like shout out to Emirates and Etihad. Like they years ago before anyone cared about Emirates or Etihad Airways, like they threw their, their, their uh, respective companies on uh soccer team shirts and those teams, you know, put them on the map. So sure. Yeah. It might work. It also wow. might just be, it might just, well, it might be just getting the toes and, you know, getting their, their toes wet as well. I know yeah. um, our partnership with our current shirt sponsors up at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, who knows? Maybe the nature of this partnership changes in a year. I don't I didn't I didn't read on. So I don't know how long these this this part of the agreement lasts or maybe it's contingent upon the removal of the current shirt sponsor and, you know, maybe Saudi becomes a larger part of income in, which is going to be a super important component of Newcastle going forward. Uh, you know, I gave a listen to two or three other podcasts this week so far. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the conversation is re is resol- uh, revolving around the question, do Newcastle or do, or do they not, bring in one, two, three players, you know, at the, just like we were speaking about at the end of August, mm-hmm. you know, are we now that we're in a top three position, like, do we reinforce? And, you know, and maybe you and I, we could talk about that on another pod or at the end of this pod, like what type of players would we, what would we want? But uh, as far as this part of this conversation goes, this is how you get money in so that yeah. financial fair play doesn't come down and bang you on the head. The more money you can bring in through these types of partnerships, these limited partnerships or potential shirt sponsor changes allows you to bring more players in or higher quality players in before you have to sell. So that way you have crossover time and you can build that roster and not have to have these really abrupt changes. It's going to be genius uh, if they really just work with with Eddie Howe and bring in the one or two players at a time and not try to do massive changeovers. But this is how you afford to do it that way. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's a good point. Also, it's very interesting because like looking at like it's because financial fair play is something that's thrown around a lot and not a lot of people understand it. And also people who understand it also don't understand how teams get around it. But it, it really more applies to the teams playing in Europe. So you're not really under as much scrutiny if you aren't actually actively in Europe. So I think now that the team is in a position in which, uh, in which uh, they're, you know, vying for a European spot. And, you know, even if the second half of the season isn't as great as the first half, 
uh, it does feel like Newcastle could sneak in into Europa League or Conference League at the rate mm-hmm. that they're playing. Uh, so it, it does, it, it, like you said, you have to start to think about, you know, how do you finance some of these deals and prove that you're getting the proper amount of revenue in uh, and spending uh, and, and staying with spending within your means. Um, and the couple last things on the Saudi partnership, it does say that it's like for the remainder of the 2022-2023 season, um, mm-hmm. they're the official tour airline partner. So I guess if Newcastle go back to Saudi Arabia for whatever reason, which I, I don't understand why they would before the end of the season, they still are they still are uh, there. And then there's a digital hub, um, which if you are interested in this, go to the website and check this out yourself. It's a digital hub that Saudi has built. It's awful looking um, from a purely aesthetic uh, perspective, but it allows, and this is, this is the big get for Saudi. Um, it's a sweepstakes and uh, they are giving away three prizes, three levels of prizes. Uh, the first one is VIP uh, tickets to the, all Halal FC versus Newcastle United match, meet and greet with the Newcastle United team, uh, sign Newcastle United jersey, and then the second prize is two VIP tickets, sign Newcastle jersey. And the third prize is two regular tickets. It goes out to 50 different winners. So 100 tickets total uh, will be given out. Uh, but they're they're doing the sweepstakes, and it's essentially a way for them to just get your information. Um, so smart on Saudia. Uh, so <laughs> do that at your own risk, I would say. Um, what is yeah. your social security number? Yeah. <laughs> what is your mother's yeah. maiden name? Yeah, I mean, it's every sweepstakes is, is kind of like this. Like, just put in, make a fake email um, if you really care, and uh, and enter it that way. But yeah, so that's that's a fascinating thing, and uh, would not be surprised if, like you said, this is a, a potential future Jersey partner. All right. Um, Let's hop into uh, the most exciting match we're going to recap of the season. So exciting that... Uh, Barnburner. Absolute blaze. It might take five whole minutes to recap. Uh, Newcastle did advance in the cup uh, with a win over Crystal Palace. Uh, the game uh, ended nil-nil and went into a penalty shootout, uh, which was quite the penalty shootout um it's a penalty shootout that ended in four straight missed penalties um so uh that's that's the state of uh of that let's see um we talked about whether or not eddie howe would rotate and uh he did yeah absolutely did yeah yeah, kind of what we expected um resting some players uh, uh ahead of big match against chelsea and then um also just getting some guys, their legs back underneath them. So um, in goal, Nick Pope started. We had a rare Javi Mankio appearance who, mm-hmm. uh, honestly, I mean, the back line wasn't bad. I mean, I guess technically they got the clean sheet, but whatever. Um, Jamal LaSalle's Dan Byrne uh, with the center back pairing. Again, not not terrible. Matt Target was out at left back. Sean Longstaff started in the middle and played uh, about 60-ish minutes. John Joe Shelby played 86 minutes and Joel Linton played the full 90. Elliot Anderson started an, att- started an attack with Chris Wood as a striker and Alan St. Maximin, excuse me, uh, and that was the Newcastle team. So, you know, a couple new faces in uh, with Shelby and ASM returning to the fold and playing probably the most minutes, actually, uh, actually the most minutes since uh, returning from injury and Elliot Anderson uh, again continuing to get these spot starts. Eddie Howe's been pretty clear about 
wanting to get him involved in finding and finding ways to get him playing time. And it seems like he's been pretty firm on Ellie Anderson's going to have to basically have an impressive bit of cup run to really increase the amount of playing time he gets for the main side. I mean, honestly, any thoughts on, on the lineup itself? Um, I mean, I was honestly surprised at the beginning that Pope started. I think I was expecting, yeah. um, I think I was expecting, was Car- yeah, Car- yeah. I, and, and I was a bit surprised ultimately. I mean, as we get to the end of the result, Pope had three critical saves in the penalty shootout at the end of extra time. Um, so I'm glad that Pope was in between the pipes, but they, he also brought on um, Kieran Trippier and Botman and Gimmerish. And, and I mean, Maggie and I don't, yeah, Chimola. and I don't, and I don't think he wanted to. I don't think, oh, he, yeah, no, he didn't. I don't think he wanted to. And that's why they didn't start, like, just give him a break. But for Pete's sake, like, there was no, there was, there was no urgency. I mean, I don't know how else to explain the way Newcastle was playing against Palace, and and, um, and and I will say for the record, it wasn't like Palace where it, neither team it it felt like neither team wanted to like be take there. the yeah yeah they didn't want to play this game a hundred percent because I honestly I think everyone in the back of their head and it, you're not maybe maybe you're not thinking World Cup but you're just thinking like are we got one more game until the break like you don't want to get injured you don't want to be no. out for months like you I, I, so i understand that i mean like viera named like legitimately the, almost their entire bench was teenagers and u team players they had yeah. guys wearing 77 76 55 <laughs> 78 43 like it was it was bad uh, he he rested and rotated a lot of people and they've had their own individual uh issues i mean Chris Richards, uh, you know, he was injured. He had a hamstring injury, which was pretty unfortunate if you're a U.S. men's national team fan. But, like, yeah, MacArthur's been, been been dealing with some stuff. Ferguson was dealing with some. Butland has a broken wrist. Like, it's just it, – they're like it felt like a, hey, let's just steady the ship. You know, everyone kind of go at 50%, and that's honestly what it was. Like you said, neither team played with a sense of urgency. Newcastle dominated possession, had some decent chances they created – in the second half, but really the the offense in the second half came uh, pretty much after um, uh, Eddie Howe started to make some subs and get in yeah. some players uh, to inject a little bit of energy into the side, and and then it went into it went into pens. And it was just, I don't know, <laughs> like it, it like you said it was yeah. slow. No one wanted to be there. Um, one player do you want to point out in particular is we did actually have some eyes there uh, from the CHN side. Um, hmm. Graham Bell was there watching the match, and the first thing he said was, that was the worst game of football he's ever seen. And Graham <laughs> has been a long-time season ticket holder. Uh, so he's, he sat through – he's obviously sat through the Bruce era, and he was like, no, it was actually, like, you know, one of the worst he's seen in person for sure. Um, and he also said like his big takeaway was like ASM did look like he did not want to be there. Like he was like, couldn't be arsed is what he said. Like, huh. it's like, I think he's done at the club. And I was like, that's a bold statement, but I, I kind of want to take a pause on that because I, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, I don't know if Graham's wrong. I mean, ASM went from being the guy to, I mean, this team has been completely dominant without him in the picture. Honestly, yeah, that was Eddie Howe has been here. I mean, like you, you think about the magical run Newcastle went on in 
uh, you know, January to March of last season. And you got to remember, like, that was done without Trippier for the most part. It was done without um, Callum Wilson for the most part because he was injured. And it was also done for a little bit, albeit less than those other two. It was done without Alan St. Maxman. They were getting it done without him. And it does feel like his play style of being more of a maverick, he hasn't particularly found his his way, at least this season. And part of that is just hasn't really played enough to really find his footing. But it does feel like everyone else is operating as a unit, and then ASM is kind of still doing his own thing. Yeah, yeah. He hasn't quite integrated into the house system as some of the other players have. But, uh, you know, due to injury and, and um, other reasons, maybe he hasn't had the opportunity. I'm not quite sure. That was, I didn't know if we were going to have time to talk about this, but I'm glad that I'm glad that we do. And, and I wonder, we've got, uh, as we as we noted from the result of winning, or it, I, I don't even know if we went, we win so much as we just advance, right? It's, yeah. it's a, um, we end up playing, as you noted before, uh, December 21st against Bournemouth. And, you know, does ASM start that match? Um, you know, do we have him for, you know, at that point, do we have him for another week and a half and, and, you know, or so, I mean, if you could think if we, if, if we go back to the discussion about bringing players in, Mm -hmm. um, what is a part of the causality of that is having to let players go. And, and Maxi has been really effective for Newcastle United for a couple of years, even when we look and by and large still effective this season, like. Yeah, and I mean, and, and, he, I, and the, it's not like he he hasn't played and hasn't played well at times. I mean, despite not really uh, like making that many appearances, he still you know is second on the, he's actually joint first in the team for assists with Kieran Trippier, despite playing basically half. Like he's played only seven matches this season. He has one goal and three assists, which yeah. you know is a good return for seven matches. So. Take you know, take it with a grain of salt. But yes, as you were saying. But I was just thinking, if he was attracting, if if a uh, if teams were like, hey, we, you know, we'll give you X amount of money for this player. If that if that variable amount was exceeded the amount that it would cost the club to bring in a different player, do you know what I mean? Like, has yeah. he has he increased his base value beyond the cost of bringing in somebody that could play effectively as a backup? to on on the left side or even supplant um Joe Linton you know in in that I mean yeah because I mean Joe Linton's Joe Linton's played in, in as a winger and he played yeah. and we can talk about it we'll talk about it obviously when we talk about Chelsea but sure. it's actually one of the keys to why the press was so effective against Chelsea and you think about like you know the stuff that Hal wants to do and you think about how ASM traditionally has played for this team and you get a little bit concerned about does he have a future with the team? And again, th- like I want to be so clear, this is not a saying ASM is not a good player. ASM is blah blah. It's not that. It's more of all right. Eddie Howe wants to press a lot. We we are one of the most pressing teams in the Premier League. What's been one of the biggest like issues people have had with ASM? It's his unwillingness to defend, his lack of energy in defending, the fact that he doesn't care about defending. If you want to play Freddie Howe, you have to. And so yeah. either the player's mentality has to shift or the player has to move on. And uh, I think it's, I, you know, we'll see. I think the camp will be good. I mean, it's a, it's a long break. It's essentially an entirely new preseason. 
the player's going to get a couple weeks off and then they're going to basically do a month of training, you know, a few friendlies, all that kind of stuff. So I think, you know, for lack of a better term, like Eddie Howe's going to, you know, kind of throw out the starting 11 a little bit. And I think guys will have an opportunity to really prove their worth and, and maybe fight for some of those positions, similar to how he did that at the end of last season. Like Miguel Amiron was not an everyday starter for Eddie Howe. And then he came into this season and has been an everyday starter for Eddie Howe. So maybe it is, like we said, just ASM doesn't have the legs underneath them. He's not, you know, back ingrained into the system. So much has changed maybe since he's been gone and we'll see, but it is, it's, it's an interesting phenomenon. Like you said, like, you know, that's a player that has value. People would be interested in, and, you know, you, you probably have some targets in mind to fill in the gaps at that winger position. You know, so or yeah. at the attacking position in general. Like if if you're serious about Madison, it's like if you have Madison, then do you need ASM? If you have Madison and eventually a healthy Alexander Isak and an informed Miguel Amaron and a Jacob Murphy and Ryan Fraser who are fine playing off the bench. Questions questions start to get asked. Yeah, and i I will say before we maybe maybe have to move on to an ad break here, but um I I wonder I would posit that what makes Eddie Howe's Newcastle click is attitude and, and camaraderie um, that everybody is buying into the philosophy. And if you've got somebody and I don't know, I haven't spoken with, with Maximo, some Maximo. I I don't know. He hasn't given um, an interview saying you, you don't have this, you, you don't face no, right, <laughs> right. I'm just, I'm sort of capitulating that I don't know what I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know anything, but if it seems like he's not buying into the program, then if you can get a pretty penny for him, what difference does it make if you get rid of somebody that's unconvertible to the program and replace him with somebody that can buy into the program you yeah. sort of you're sort of swapping out, even if you know, even if it's somebody that isn't necessarily as impactful in in the ways that you know that he mm-hmm. is. Um, you can bring somebody on that ultimately will become a, a a better part of the cog, the way that you know the system works. And we don't want to make too many changes. I know a lot of people are like, you know, I think some fans really like who we got. Some fans are like, let's get three, four, five more guys and let's see what we can do. But like. I don't think that jives with what Eddie Howe is trying to do is, you know, maybe one player, maybe two players, and then let them bed themselves in, take time to transition into the team, earn their spot through good work during training. Like, yeah, I I think that's just how it's it's going to work. So far, Kieran Trippier is the only player Newcastle signed and immediately started, you know, as soon as they were available. And I mean, we needed him though at the time. Oh no. I mean, we needed him, but it's like, you know, you look at the quality of, of talent that we brought in after that. I mean, I think Chris Wood might have maybe because I think by the time we got Chris Wood, Callum was injured. So like, yeah, sure. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I mean, Bruno, you know, was was on the bench for four, three or four matches in a row because Joe Willock couldn't stop being effective. And same with Sven Botman. He started off the bench, excuse me, uh, to start this season, despite mm-hmm. by and large, you know, he's he's definitely – you could argue, make an argument that he's been the best defensive player, just pure defensive player new, for Newcastle this season. So, yeah, uh, it's it's interesting. Um, I think we could we could probably talk way more about ASM, but you know, it's one we'll we'll have to wait and see. 
because, you know, the camaraderie could be there, but it just could be that he wants to start and maybe he doesn't look as interested coming off the bench because he, like any player who is competitive, wants to start every match. <laughs> so that could simply be it. And he doesn't care about the EFL Cup because he wants to win the Premier League. Like, who knows? Who knows? We don't. Um, all that being said, let's go ahead and take a quick ad break. Um, learn some learn about whatever Vox wants to sell you. Maybe it's Ben and Jerry's. Maybe it's Tillamore Dew. Maybe it's some other podcast. Uh, who knows? But we'll let's take find out. Break. Yeah, let's take it right now. Okay, uh, let's let's get let's get into the nitty gritty. Uh, Newcastle had a wonderful. I guess this is match day 16. Um, was that match day 16? I'm assuming. Yes, sure. I wrote that. So we're going to say I'm gonna that. I'm going to go with it. It looks good to me. Yeah, sure. Whatever. Uh, wonderful match day 16 with a wonderful 1-0 win over Chelsea uh, with Joe Willock getting the lone goal in this one uh, mm-hmm. with an assist from Miguel Almiron, which I immediately tweeted after, again, I've watched Miggy for years. I you know, Roberto retweeted the tweet, so I think he agrees with me. And he's a Paraguayan football journalist, so he's covered covered Miggy since his conception. Um, that's actually not true because Miggy's older than both of us. Um, but uh, I was like, I think that's the best run I've seen from Miggy, like just you know, a, as a watching him. So I, we can talk more about that when we get to the goals. But sure. um, first, let's um. Let's get into a little three words. Let's see what uh, what the people were saying um, after this one. Uh, Kim Avery says, love these Maggies. Parody of Don, which is pretty funny. Smick Ultra uh, said, we're meant like. Eric Schmidt, our good buddy in UFC Indiana, says, this will do. Toon Army Denver says, E-I-E-I-O, which I don't know if that counts as three words. Because it's, it's like, because there's well, only really one word in there. Which is O. Even syllables wise, it's more than three syllables, so I don't know. E I is a word, E I is a word in O. I I don't is E I a word? I don't really have, think have it we is. already spent too much time on that? Oh no. Um <laughs> Malcolm McDonald at the Magic Beetle says uh Champions League Mags, Craig Atkinson at Darlow Quaker says happy fucking Christmas. Definitely not Elon Musk. Exiled from Youp says Europe we coming, and theater for everyone. Andy B Theater says one true united, which that's good. Um, Joshua, to put you on the spot, do you have any three words to sum up can, that performance? Can I cuss? Yeah. Oh. Oh. Sorry. Did you not know you could cuss on this podcast? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, oh, yeah. I wasn't quite sure. Fuck. I mean, I brought, yeah, fuck. Yeah, there we go. Fuck. Uh, unfucking believable. Yeah, that's true. Uh, fuck. <laughs> it's. I mean, it's entirely. I it's, think, but I also think it's so funny that I just never, I never mentioned to you that you could curse on this podcast. I yeah, mean, I'm not. I'm not a, a lot. I'm not a huge. Yeah, maybe you haven't a lot since I. I don't, and maybe no, I don't think I have. Yeah, because I. Yeah. The, when you're like you're like hosting, I feel like you don't you don't curse as much as when yeah. someone just asks me questions. I'm like, I don't fucking know. Like you know, I don't know. So, yeah, yeah, anyway, yeah, no. And as I, you, you know, were I don't saying, think it. I use it as a point of emphasis, not really like yeah. it's not how, yeah, it's not my everyday speak. Um, and I am a former U.S. Marine, so, you know, sometimes sometimes I get a little foul, but usually I keep it clean. Um, yeah. 
a year ago, what a difference a year makes. I remember playing Chelsea last year and the mindset was to give up as few goals as possible for Newcastle. Right. And I think that was the way they express their football on, on the day. And you're watching this match against Chelsea. And I just feel like Graham Potter's Chelsea is playing against Newcastle United this year, trying to give up as few goals as possible. Right. So they they came into this match with the to to me they came into the match mentally as the underdog they had already put themselves oh, yeah. in that position and and it's it's shut it's so it's such a strange shift for me because honestly like we really haven't added that many pieces this isn't like they went out and they raided the world and created a galacticos this is just let's be real it's not as many pieces as chelsea have added like you look at chelsea two years ago and like and i say two years because like i think since 2018 like since january 2018 let's say newcastle won once against chelsea it was a meaningless game at the end of the season and i think we might have helped chelsea miss out on top four or something like that it was like may 13th like no one cared end of the year um and since then we have lost to chelsea every single time we played yeah so i say since 2018 because you think about how many players they've brought in since then they've brought in so many different forwards they brought in a world-class midfielders they've brought in world-class defenders they've brought in and this this season they brought they, they brought in uh uh raheem sterling and a bombing and like it's it, they've brought in all of these insanely talented attackers and since 2018 newcastle have brought in joe willick and some other guys that we just right brought. right <laughs> and but you know what newcastle's brought in is yeah. is eddie as eddie howe and and i know like Graham potter is a really really good manager like it it, it his time at chelsea may be too short to be honest with you what does chelsea do they sack managers i mean i wouldn't yeah. i wouldn't take a job i guess i Hypothetically, I guess in, in in real life, if Chelsea offered me a job, I would take it, even if I knew I was going to lose my job because I get paid a lot and be fun to go. But like realistically, if you were a, and, if you, you, were and a, you have a contender team, like typically, yeah. like the on paper, you have a shot to win something. Like you know, even looking at Tuchel, like you won Champions League. Like, well, that was exactly it, though. They spent a bunch of money. Yeah. You know, and then they sack their manager who they spent all this money for. And then they <laughs> yeah. they brought in another manager. And my fear is that they won't give him enough time to express the football that he understands, you know. And part of me is like, well, thank God, because I don't want Chelsea to be good because I just want one less team at the top to be competing with us. It's strange. This is such so when I said unfucking believable, it's just so strange that we're even talking about ourselves in these top six positions and instead of looking at the bottom of the table hoping that Southampton loses or these two teams draw and no you know no one pulls away you know by more than a couple of points I'm like I'm hoping teams at the top beat each other up so that we can maintain this position like it's just a such a strange part of the table to watch the result I never in my life watch a Tottenham match on purpose unless we were playing against them. And then I, yeah, I find myself watching this one this weekend going, come on, you know, and they, you know, they, they came from behind a one and I was like, damn it. <laughs> like I never yeah. in my life cared. I didn't care about them because they were so far removed from what we were trying to accomplish. And now we're at the top of the table accomplishing things. It's bizarre. Yeah. Um, and it, it's a good shout. Uh, so real quick, let's just, uh, Kind of set the set the table, like you said. Chelsea 
pretty low on on confidence coming into this match. Uh, I want to say they had gone uh, at that point four league matches without a win. Mm. Um, you know, Brentford draw, uh, Chelsea Man U draw, Brighton loss, Arsenal loss, and then they had just lost to Man City in the cup. Which, to be fair, it is Man City in the cup. Um, like, I don't know. Who knows? Uh, and then they came into that. So they're coming into off two losses. Their only wins in the past, uh, you know, past few weeks really had come in Champions League against what you would say lesser opponents. 2-1 over Salzburg, 2-1 over Dinamo Zagreb. So even then, not very convincing wins over teams that are, you know, quote, two or three leagues below the Premier League. Actually, probably even more. I mean, you're talking about the Austrian League uh, and Zagreb's Croatia. So I I couldn't even tell you other teams in the Croatian League. Uh, So... All that to say, uh, like you said, Graham Potter's Chelsea, uh, not high on confidence. Meanwhile, Newcastle literally went unbeaten in October. So uh, so it's, uh, it's a tale of two tapes. Uh, one Chelsea fan were like, how are we losing to Newcastle? And the simple response is like, this is a team that's lost, you know, twice this whole season uh, in all comps. And so uh, versus a team who has, who has lost – no, sorry, a team that's lost once this whole season in all comps – Versus a team that has lost twice in the last like couple of weeks, uh, right. so it's a reason why you know you were getting outplayed by Newcastle. Is that Newcastle is a better team than Chelsea as it stands? Um, so uh, lineup wise, uh, I think we both thought there was going to be a little bit more rotation than there was. Uh, yeah, Alan Wilson uh, was probably the only sort of true rotation. Uh, he was still feeling a little bit ill uh, ahead of the World Cup and. Um, didn't make an appearance because he was sick himself. But for the most part, it was a fairly fairly strong Newcastle team, probably the strongest team you could play considering form in all. Nick Pope in goal, Trippier, Cher, Botman, Burr in the back line, Longstaff, Bruno, and Joe Willock in the midfield with Miggy, Chris Wood, and Joe Ellington uh, as your attackers. Uh, and then Chelsea went with Broha top with Mountain Gallagher in behind. They started... Mm-hmm. Young Lewis Hall at left wing back, Kovacic and Jorginho in the middle of the pitch. Ruben Loftus Cheek, who came off, uh, excuse me, who came off after only a few minutes due to injury. Um, sucks for him, but it's not super unfamiliar for him, unfortunately. Uh, as P- I can never say as Pukwiletz's name. I think I actually said it right. You just did it. Back line with uh, young Trevor Chalaba. Uh, holding down the anchor, the, the the sorry, the middle of the back three with uh, Koulibaly uh, uh, rounding out that back line with Mendy and goal in place of the injured Kepa Azarizabuza. Uh, that's or, Ke- or Kepa for short. Yeah, Kepa for short. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, fairly strong teams from both sides. I think Chelsea are in a weird spot of they had a lot of attacking talent, but they don't have enough attacking positions. So, like, I mean, they ended up playing almost all their attackers. Like, they brought in Ziyech, Havertz, uh, Pulisic as well. Um, but, like, again, there was only three really attacking spots for a multitude of players, and that could be a system issue, and that's a whole other conversation. But for the most part, you could say Newcastle, uh, I'd say they pretty much dominated this match in a variety of aspects. Um Possession was actually fairly even, but Newcastle yeah. had way more shots. Um, wait, you know, Twice more as many. Shots on tar- yeah, <laughs> yeah, 
shots on target. I mean, just like, I don't know, it's expected goals. You could go down the whole line, but uh, I think probably the thing Chelsea struggled with the most was Newcastle's press was unbelievable. Um, Chelsea played a lot of the match. Like they had possession, but rarely possession in Newcastle's attacking half at all. Right. They, if they were able to spring attacks, it was, you know, some counterattacks and that was pretty much it. But for the most part, Newcastle had almost all of their possession uh, in, uh, you know, in the middle of the pitch or in Chelsea's half. They were playing long balls over the top a lot. So that might have been part of the reason why you may not have seen, uh, a, you know, true possession domination from Newcastle because a lot of balls they played in behind, you know, were either not accurate or, you know, snuffed out or however you may say. I mean, that's part of missing Callum Wilson and having Chris Wood up there is that it's just a different type of striker and maybe you have to adjust to that. But I don't know. Um, there's a whole athletic piece I'd definitely – uh, recommend checking it out uh talking mm. about newcastle's effective press uh josh what was any did you notice anything in particular about the manner in which that match was played uh, yeah newcastle yeah so i saw that uh potter lined them up and basically it was like a three four two one and well, christmas uh, you, reaction yeah yeah kind of yeah well yeah, narrow base. Yeah, okay. Yeah, narrow. Yeah, narrow, narrow uh, back line. But what I did see was that the, the three, the four, and the two ended up really compressed into, into uh, they were pressed into oblivion. Is what had happened. Newcastle's yeah. press just pushed. They they pressed so hard that um, you know Broha was left. He was left alone. Like he yeah. he you, you, you know. Um, he wasn't supported in the attack. And so when they were able to, to, to gain possession, there was just, everyone was behind the ball and there was no, there was no attacking outlet to go to in, in, in the counterattack. So um, even if they were able to spring something, it just, there, it was so, it was so limp. There was, there is, there is no, there is no, there's no thrust to it. It's very sexual, very sexual. Yeah. But the same. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. They had a, they had a, they had a slow night at the, at the brothel, to be honest with you, because they just couldn't get it going. They couldn't get it yeah. going. They had wasted their time and their money showing up basically. Yeah. Um, you know, Broha was up top, came off in the 73rd and, and Kai Havertz came on. And to be quite honest with you, I, I, I really feel like that move should have come sooner for Potter. Um, you know, I think Havertz um, made some moves and it made it really interesting. And I know I've always liked him um, from his time before he was at Chelsea. But I mean, I, I watched the Bundesliga and I enjoy these players immensely. Um, I think he's another one that goes, you know, probably goes back to RB Leipzig next year or goes, you know, go maybe goes to Bayern, you know, in in in, in next next July. So we'll see what Chelsea turns over. I mean, if Leverkusen or if they have uh, they're actually doing really bad in the league so maybe not Leverkusen again yeah, they might they might yeah they might get relegated every year the hey, Bundesliga maybe. is good for a team that you did not expect to be in the relegation fight to get in that scrap so we'll see what so happens because they're, they're doing fairly I mean they, they were doing okay in Europe too so it's it's just a weird one uh, it's anyway. what they focus on. You know, it just depends on where they, yeah. We're going to, yeah. next is our Leverkusen podcast. That should be coming out next week. Uh, watch It'll be that. relevant for Newcastle fans who want the obby because he could be available for the cheap. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, we could, we could get, you know, what we should do, we should do a rumors. We should do a rumor section where maybe we talk about players we think would fit in well. And um, we'll do that maybe in the next couple Oh, yeah. Weeks. We used to have That'd a, you have a segment on here. We can bring it back. It's called the BS meter where I would just find all the rumors and just ask you on a scale of like 
you know, like total BS and you can be as graphic with how you say BS, maybe load of cow dung sure. to plausible is this rumor, then you just kind of react to it and we talk briefly about, you know, what is does this make sense? Does the fit happen? All that kind of stuff. So yeah, we can bring back the BS meter or bring it back for the people. That'd be great. Cool. Yeah, yeah, you know that sounds great. I'd love to throw Christopher Nkuku into that list. Uh, unfortunately, he picked up an injury in training just before the World Cup. So yeah, really um, good guy, for him too. Yeah, yeah absolutely. He's the had player, a great season, great couple a, of seasons. Honestly, he's amazing. Yeah, he's a he's a player that I was really hoping we could get. Um, so yeah, we'll take a look at some of those players maybe in an upcoming episode. Um, yeah, so for me, I felt like Graham Potter just. I I don't know whether by design or by reaction to what Newcastle was doing. Um, their attack was just really just out of it. And, uh, Ooh, I did want to ask you a question. I mean, um, mm-hmm. here's, I guess we can get into the moments here. Yeah. Um, uh, the Choloba handle. I mean, um, yeah, it's for you, for you, is that a natural, is that a natural falling down? Yeah. You, I, I he's don't. just sort of like, or, or did he, or did he put his arm down to make contact and then fell down to make it look like, like what came first? The I mean, horse, the horse of the cart. <laughs> My thing is, if you're sliding, I don't know how you can slide without stabilizing yourself. So, like, it's clear he was sliding. I mean, like, he slides before, like, his feet make the motion before his arm comes down. Mm. So, like, I, I don't understand how, like, I don't know. It'd be really harsh to say that it was intentional because the alternative is, like, him not stabilizing himself and just, like, flopping onto the ground like a fish. And his head, it, and then the ball would have hit his face, right? Yeah. Like. So it's and that that would have hurt. Um, he was coming in fast. Um, so I think, uh, I mean, obviously, when you're in the stands, you don't get the the replays that we see at home. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's there's just no chance that I, I call that a handball. Um, obviously, if it's if it's the other hand, the one that's up in the air as someone's sliding down, sure, like that that gets called actually pretty often. But the, the lower hand, the one that you need in order to keep yourself upright so you don't, you know, get a ball to the face or pop out your collarbone or, you know, mm. dislocate your shoulder. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like you can't call a handball on that. That's that's no. natural. Yeah. Ultimately, it didn't matter. Yeah. I mean, it didn't. But, you know. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> do you have any other moments you want to you want to discuss? Um, I mean, there is the one Miggy run. From yeah. from uh, right, to, it is, he's he's now become sort of the Iron Robin. He's the cut inside man, isn't he? No, so he's, mean, it's you know what he's going to do, but you can't stop it. No, and I like he he cuts inside, and it's instead of maybe because there was nowhere to maybe he saw there was no clean path to whack it, so he sort of like you see him continuing his run across the top of the was he a top the top of the box or was he in the eighteen? He was, I think he was at the top of the box and the ball kind of ended up in inside the 18. Yeah, because I think he lost. He did a little skip step, but I think he lost possession for uh, for just a – and he was going to regain it. But in that split second where he lost it, um, you could see him. He eyeballs Willick, you know, out of the side yeah. out of the side of his eyes. Like, oh, by, by all means, good sir. <laughs> <laughs> that can be yours. <laughs> and it was an absolute what – a, what a tasty – delicious goal that was for him as well so yeah I, and it, I, like interestingly enough i mean joe willick had a bit of an extended uh i can't remember if he was just someone had asked him about or if he just mentioned it in his 
video to like to the fans at the end where he goes, come on, you Maggie's like that whole thing. Uh, but I, I actually think this was maybe part of the Newcastle, uh, you, sorry, Newcastle United FC TV uh, questions. Uh, but I think Willick was talking about that shot in particular, because I mean, it was a nice bit of technique from Joe Willick. I mean, it's a, dis- it's a shot from distance uh, curls and just sits perfectly um, like, and I think it was the, the, I guess the bottom left hand side of the goal, I guess, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. is where it ended up being. Um, or no, actually, bottom right corner. Uh, and just absolutely beats Mendy. And uh, Joe Willock mentioned, like, this is something, you know, it comes with confidence and it comes with, like, he's obviously been working hard and training, but it, it's it's all about with, with these players, they always point to the same thing. It's confidence in the manager. Um, the manager, you know, gives me the clear instructions, lets me know what I'm working on and make sure that I'm feeling confident enough to take these shots and take these opportunities. And it's paying off. I mean, it's Miggy had his whole interview about, you know, uh, player of the month. And he talked about how, like, he doesn't even care about the Jack Reels thing like that. He didn't even, he doesn't know about that or care about that. Like all he wants to do is continue to put in performances for his team, the manager, and he feels very confident, like with Eddie Howe in charge and stuff like that. So, Another just again great great goal. Uh, I mean, just and it well deserved because Joe Willick really was good uh, with a lot of the stuff off the ball. I think he was really good. You know, one progressing the ball and getting into dangerous positions. But uh, he and Joe Joe Ellington, they were just working the press so well and putting so much pressure on on Chelsea's defenders. And I mean, they were doing it while like swapping positions. Like, you know, you'd see spells where Jolinton was in the midfield. You see spells where Willock was like out on the wing pressuring. Like, it just felt like they were in sync, which is kind of scary to think about um, down the road. If like that becomes, you know, a tandem of like, you know, these guys know when each other wants to press and it just makes it so that it, it's harder and harder to play through this Newcastle side. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, it's just, it's cool. Um, for sure, uh, and yeah, I mean, it was again, it was it was a it was a pretty dominant match. You argued Newcastle could have created a little bit more chances at the end, um, maybe to make it less nervy uh, towards the end, where we had seven added minutes, which felt a little odd considering I felt like we had less added minutes for uh, the game in which we had two separate uh, head injury uh, stoppages in the first half, but. Um, all that to say, uh, Newcastle saw you know saw this saw this match at despite Graham Potter making all his attacking subs. I would argue as well making all of his attacking subs a bit too late. I think he could have gone a little bit earlier with all of his attacking subs. Uh, Hyverts, uh, Pulisic, the whole lot. I feel like um, if you're going to spruce up your attack, maybe you spruce up a little bit earlier. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Any uh, any uh, closing thoughts on? on that match before we kind of hop into the the players that maybe impress us the most. It just, you know, Newcastle has, has uh, won the games that they, they, they have won against the opponents that people would expect them to lose. And they have, they have eviscerated the, uh, uh, they have eviscerated the opponents that they would have struggled against in the last few years. Yeah. And we, I mean, they're just, they're at a different level. And I'm loving every minute of this. And uh, I found just every week looking forward to the next game, looking forward yeah. instead of instead of 
cringing and 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 hoping that it just gets over and and wondering what all of these other podcasts that I listen to are going to say, you know, about Newcastle next. Oh, that you know the fans they they expect this or they don't they don't deserve this or it's not a big club or blah all this negative shit like yeah it's gone and w- what you're hearing from the guardian is you know or you're hearing from uh you know 505 or you're hearing from whoever is how brilliant they're playing and what a good job how is doing and um and I'm loving it so long may it last yeah um and man yeah yeah I mean, he hit a nail on i think one of the things that has stuck out to me is i want to say it was a a it might have been a, a war flags banner but it or but it would became like a common saying it was something along the lines of like you know we don't want a team that you know when wins or a team that wins the league we want a team that tries it was something along those lines yeah. and i yeah and it and this i mean this is exactly like the team that like two years ago in the darkest depths. I mean, we were hoping for and, and wishing for is like not to sit back against Chelsea at home um, and play for the draw, but a team that is pressing at home against, you know, you know, one of the most expensive sides in the prem. Like that's, that's, you know, that the, a team that tries. And for so long, it was like, why can't Newcastle be like Leeds? Why can't they play like, you know, Eddie Howe's Burnmouth. Like it was, it was stuff like that of like, we don't have to play this pragmatic style of football. And now it's like every, like you said, every single week, I'm looking forward to watching Newcastle play because it is fun to watch Mm -hmm. win or lose. You know that like, they are going to be on the front foot. They're going to try and press. Um, I mean, we say this after completely talking about how terrible the Crystal Palace match was and the cup matches in general this season. But for the most part, uh, it's a team that is going to try. They're going to press. They're going to try to uh, make some exciting moves. They're going to, to shoot from distance. They're going to try one-twos. It's just different and fun to watch, and it's a breath of fresh air for sure. Uh, Joshua, give me uh, give me, give me, me one or two players that really stood out to you. Um, you know, usually I don't I don't like to go for the goal scorer yeah. as, the, as my player of the match, but I'm, I'm going to go with Willock. I felt like there was so much going on for him in this match and that the goal for him was just sort of like the cherry on top of a, of a great game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I'm really happy to see um, consistent good performances coming from him because I was worried at the beginning of the season that we might have lost him. Um, yeah, he did. He he wasn't showing up the way that he had at the end of last year, but now I think Howe has got all of the cylinders popping, and it's it's actually a, it's a damn shame that we're taking this World Cup break. Like, this is the momentum that we need, and um, hopefully, yeah. it doesn't trip us up too much, and we get uh, Isaac back, and we get some. You know, we get some interesting, uh, you know, maybe hopefully Wilson comes back to us uninjured and, you know, fingers crossed on World Cup injuries and that we could just get that that good old momentum back when they all come home. Yeah. And it is an interesting, it's an interesting, like, it's an interesting conundrum of, like you said, it, it's it's tough to have this World Cup break, but it also is like you look at the teams around us and, um, and you look at like how how many um, how many teams around us have uh, have more tons of players at the World Cup. Oh, like, City for I mean, 
Yeah, yeah. Newcastle have five, and Manchester United have 14. City have 16. Chelsea have 12. Spurs have 11. Top of the table, Arsenal with 10. Brighton have eight. Liverpool have seven. Like, the teams that were in and around, like, they all have, you know, unfortunately, the higher risk of losing important players for the season. They're going to yeah. have the more tired players as we get into a congested uh, run of fixtures. And it's exactly what Pep Guardiola was talking about, where he's like, you know, he sees Newcastle as title contenders. And everyone, you know, took that for face value. And once people started to unpack what he actually was talking about, was like, he's like, hey, look at it. Like, Newcastle don't have to play games in Europe. You know, they don't they don't have to worry about, you know, all of these additional games uh, after the World Cup that we have to worry about as, you know, all of these teams have advanced to the round of 16. Yeah. I mean, is the Arsenal's maybe a little bit different. They're, I guess they're chugging along in Europa. But, I mean, like all of these other teams have to deal with not only the league, but two cup two cup competitions. Mm-hmm. I mean, Man City's still in the cup. We're, I mean, we're obviously in the cup. And the FA Cup's going to start in January for the Premier League teams. And then they also have to worry about knockout stages of European football. So things are just going to be a lot. They're going to be very congested for teams. And I think, like, maybe Newcastle, it's a terrible op- – it's terrible that we're, we're having this break in a decent run of form. But also I think that in the long run, you know, if we can regain anything like the form we've been in and, you know, hopefully we just pick up from where we are – this, if we pick up from where we are, I, I, I kind of you kind of start thinking like season of destiny just with how weird everything else around us in the table is. It does feel like the Leicester year of hey, Leicester went out and did their job. They won the games they were supposed to do. They like you said earlier, they beat the teams that in the past they couldn't beat and the teams they struggled against, and they continue to just win, 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 not really worry about other results and. Things happen to everyone else in the table, and somehow at the end of the season, Leicester were lifting the trophy. So that's a fascinating one for sure. For me, um, I want to give a shout-out to Joel Linton. I think, uh, especially for him playing out on the wing, I think he's gotten a lot of praise for being a good midfielder, and it kind of still, again, begs the question about Joel Linton and, like, is he a, is he a midfielder? <laughs> is he a forward? What is he? <laughs> he's yeah. a Frankenstein like, of a monster. Yeah, and uh, I, I thought he played well out on the wing. I mean – his wing play is something that I think he was struggling with under Steve Bruce just because Steve Bruce wanted a different type of winger. He wanted someone who's going to swing in all these crosses, and Joelinton's not really like – that's not really his style. He definitely wants to have a go at someone, wants to create a little bit. He works well on a press. He works well as kind of like a secondary creator, which is how you know Eddie Howe sort of sees those wide players. They're really – it's for him they're like additions to the strike force i mean with how they cut in and how the the fullbacks overlap to create um you know opportunities to swing the ball and stuff like that so i think this actual setup plays into uh joelinton's advantage as an attacker and allows him to bring that same level of aggression that he had to the midfield but be able to do that in a pressing position right up against center backs and so instead of going toe-to-toe winning duels in the midfield and, and trying to navigate out, out of that, he's now, you know, double teaming and working on pressing center backs and fullbacks and winning the ball even higher up the pitch. So I think definitely works out for him and evidence of that. I mean, he had a really good match and especially on the defensive side, doing some of the dirty work. So shout out to him. Okay, cool. Uh, so that was the Chelsea match. Um, Real quick, we'll just kind of give you a bit of rundown of, of what Newcastle have going on uh, the next couple of weeks. Uh, so, 
um, every team has is going through some sort of uh, like winter break camp for this. It's an unprecedented time. It's probably the longest midseason break we've seen in maybe Premier League history. Mm. Uh, yeah, definitely Premier League history. Uh, as we as we kind of already know, just to set the scene again. Newcastle have five players going: Bruno, Fabian, Cher, Nick Pope, Kieran Trippier, Callum Wilson. Um, it's possible that some of those players might come back early, depending on how results go. But um, the non-internationals are given a couple weeks um, away from formal training. The first week is a vacation week, so uh, this, I guess this this week that we're in right now, they're on vacation or holiday. And then next week they get tailored training programs that they can do on their own time, but they are allowed to do them at Benton. And speaking of Benton, Benton, this is is, uh, is where our training complex, home of the glorious ice bucket trash cans uh, and pretty cool <laughs> ice baths. Uh, it is going uh, is undergoing some major sort of renovation work, uh, and uh, the renovations are supposed to be done in the first half of 2023. And this is all. It's, it's kind of it's just a difference in ownership. This is a it's a it's a you know a hefty renovation, and it is simply just to hold Newcastle over until they build a new entire training facility. So, um, yeah, these renovations for the most part are going to be uh, taking place during this this break. It's a kind of a perfect storm that allows them to finish uh, all these uh, renovations, uh, you know, before the end of of the 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 22-23 uh, campaign. So um, that being said, uh, again, next week the players will do their personal programs. They can do them wherever they want. And then after that, uh, Saudi Arabia will um, – the Saudi Arabia trip will happen. So um, from December 4th through 10th, they'll go to the capital, do some bonding, um, play against uh, uh, the Saudi Pro League champions Al-Halal, uh, and uh, there is one private. They're doing three uh, three friendlies. I think two are publicly confirmed, and the last is yet to be confirmed. Um, the one that is confirmed in Saudi Arabia is against Al Halal, who are the Saudi Pro League champions, and that will happen December eighth. I think the club is streaming that. I want to say, and then Rio Valcano will be playing at St James's on December seventeenth, uh, and. Again, it's a six-week break, and Eddie is going to be doing a lot of simulation stuff uh, and try to simulate match as close to match play as possible, similar to what they did at the January camp last January. I, I wouldn't say last year, but it was just earlier this year. It's kind of crazy how time works. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. And then I guess by the, by the time we play Ryo Vacano, uh, most of the players are probably going to be back by then unless they're in the mm-hmm. World Cup final. Uh, so... You know, um, take that with a grain of salt. Uh, and then Newcastle will play their first match. Their first competitive match, like we said earlier, will be mm-hmm. December 21st uh, against Bournemouth in the, in the League Cup. And then they will play on Boxing Day. Uh, so exciting stuff. Um, Josh, it's kind of everything we've got. I mean, unless you want to talk about the shit show that's Ronaldo. Um, I think that's <laughs> it. <laughs> you know, we could save that for a CHN. Uh, that's, false, that's... false nines. False nines can cover Ronaldo. Yeah. Um, as long as he doesn't come to us, then we don't have to talk about him. Um, yeah, I am pretty excited to see. Uh, hopefully, they stream that match versus Rio uh, Vallecano. Yeah, that, that'll be an interesting one. I, yeah. I, I like Rio Vallecano as a yeah. as a FIFA FIFA career mode uh, guru. That's a fun 
You oh, got it. I more. yep. I love I love their kits. And yeah. uh, as a St. Pauli fan, the more I read about Raya Vallecano and found out more about sort of their their you know their left leaning agenda as a as an organization, I sort of really dig that. I mean, I just I love human beings and clubs that stand up for human rights and sort of speak yeah. out speak out in those terms is something that I can really appreciate. So I appreciate that club, and I'm I'm glad that uh, Newcastle is playing them. Ironic that they're playing them, giving giving. Well, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, hopefully the 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 good guys win. So take that as uh, as you may. Uh, Could go either way, huh? Yeah. So uh, um, we'll we'll stick around. We'll probably have some content that'll come out uh during the week. Uh, good news uh, for everyone is that Joshua has been on the let's get some interviews grind. Unfortunately, all the people that he's reached out to that were like, oh, yeah, we're down. They're all they're, doing World Cup coverage. They're all going to Qatar. Yeah. They're, so. all, they're, all, they're all there. So um, we'll, we'll, we'll get something in the fold um, and maybe maybe some different stuff with some different folks. I've that, reached you know, out to a couple of the players for the, uh, the Newcastle women team. So if any of our listeners uh, have a connection or have a friend who plays or coaches with the women's side, um, let them know we're dead serious. We want to cover them and to reach out to us because I haven't had any responses, which was a little surprising. Yeah, uh, I'll, yeah, yeah. And then uh, same thing. We might and we'll, we'll we'll we might bring back some of the old stuff. That we we did some uh, kind of meet the fans kind of stuff as well for people not in Newcastle getting to know their stories. And uh, you know maybe we'll bring on our good friend Graham Bell, get him back on the pod to hear his thoughts on, I guess, really how Newcastle have changed over the last couple seasons as a person who lives in Newcastle and is a Geordie through and through. So uh, regardless, expect some pods to come out during the World Cup because uh, uh, to be honest, we don't really care enough to not pod during the World Cup because there's still stuff to talk about. Club over club over country, baby. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. Let's last. talk about Atlanta United. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, that being said, uh, that's been an episode of uh, CHN Radio. I'm Elijah. That's Joshua. Away the lads and uh, I wish I was on the case side. Looking at the old time bridge, I'm coming Bingo. home. Bingo. I might as well have been in jail. I'd walk the streets all day. I'll meet for a bottle of your own brown hill. I'm coming home, Newcastle. If you never win the cup again, I'll brave the dark. It's in James's Park. If the Gallagher's end in the rain, I'm coming home. To be a Jody and to live in Jody land. Some people think we're bawdy and we're hard to understand. And they say it's just self pity and we're not so very tough. Cause the people in the big fat city haven't had it tough as rough. I'm coming home, Newcastle. You can keep your London wing. I'd walk the streets all day. I'll meet for a bottle of the river tide. I'm coming home. I wish I'd never been a weird I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound And me mother saying, hey, how weird I'm coming home And I miss the old blind busker Who stands at Fenwick's door He plays a mean accordion You've all seen him there before 
And I love the Jody heroes, there's so many famous names Like Linda Svon in Gaza, Brendan Foster in the Gateshead Games I'm coming home, Newcastle, I might as well have been in jail I'd walk the streets all day, I'll need for a bottle of your own brown ale I'm coming home, Newcastle, if you never win the club again I'll brave the dog at St. James's Park in the Gallagher's end in the rain I'm coming home, Newcastle, you can keep your London wine I'd walk the streets all day, I'll need for a bottle of the River Tyne I'm coming home, Newcastle, I wish I'd never been away I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound of me mother saying, Hey, how we I'm coming home, Newcastle. I might as well have been in jail. I'd walk the streets all day, I'll need for a bottle of your own brown meal. I'm coming home, Newcastle. If you never win the cup again, I'll brave the dog in St. James's Park at the Gallagher's end in the rain. I'm coming home.